This is Mindful Conversations with Matt and Dr. Rob Cook. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he's number two on the podcast, but he's number one in your heart. <laughs> he's my good friend, my colleague. He is esteemed, highly knowledgeable. <laughs> that's, wah, wah, wah. that's why he's on the podcast. He makes me look good. <laughs> Happy Thursday. Likewise. It, it's summer here in Michigan. It's going to be in the 80s. And we are enjoying the beauty of this weather because my wife reminded me that, like, by Monday it's going to be 41. <laughs> but we are happy that you have tuned in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. Um, this is our 44th episode. Uh, we've been around for a little while. Um, if you haven't tuned into us, welcome. There are a number of episodes of different topics that you can peruse from. from. And uh, if you're a longtime fan, we appreciate your endurance. Yes, thank you. Uh, to be with us. Endurance but, and grace. And grace. Uh, today, we last time, uh, we had our special guest, Brenda, with us, Mitchell, yep. and we talked about trauma, and we talked about children specifically, and we, we referenced attachment. So today, and, and we have talked about attachment theory in different regards in different yes. episodes, but today we're going to do a deep dive uh, Yes, on attachment. Um, Dr. Rob, you're prepared to maybe give a, um, a brief description of attachment styles? I am. Okay. Oh, I am. <laughs> yes, you are. It's up to you now, my friend. Okay. Um, the research identifies four attachment styles, and they can go by different names. But for our purposes, we'll start with the secure attachment, which is the healthier, mature one. And that's generally people who are warm and caring, they can trust, they can forgive, um, they, they manage conflict appropriately, um, they also manage their emotions, so they tend to be emotionally intelligent, and they're, they're basically open and honest, they're approachable. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> you and I both. Then there's the avoidant. The avoidant is just like the name implies. These individuals are emotionally distant. Um, they prefer individuality. Uh, they don't depend on partners or significant others. Um, they generally avoid conflict, uh, but they present in the relationship as being very logical. Um, then there's the anxious. Uh, and just like the name implies, there's an anxiousness uh, flavor to this attachment style. It's the fear of partners or significant others leaving. Um, the attachment style lacks boundaries. They don't generally have healthy or good boundaries. Um, they're always shifting in moods. So there's a, in the anxiousness, there's this instability in moods. They're highly sensitive. Or you and I might say, Matt, they tend to take things more personally or very personally and they're insecure. That's the anxious. Disorganized. Emotions are messy in this, in this disorganized. There's unresolved trauma. This is the group where I think uh, most or many traumatologists would put uh, their disattachment style because with the disorganized, um, 
it, it is unresolved trauma mm-hmm. uh, resurfaces wounds or come to the surface or resurface often they tend to be uh, a- often angered kind of, like if you think of an angry person that might be indicative of this attachment style and the other piece of this is they generally lack empathy so you have secure avoidant anxious and disorganized mm-hmm. and and some version of those uh, but the good news is that whatever your attachment style is you have some influence over it mm-hmm. so yeah. you're not you're not just locked and loaded for the you know from childhood to the day you die in a certain attachment style that's good to know. I mean, that's what I call the plasticity of attachment. Yes. The idea that, that molding and shaping can happen in either direction over lifetime, over lifespan. Yes. Um, you know, the, the origin of attachment research is found with what researchers? Bobby, John Bobby, and Mary's, Mary Amesworth. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and so if you ever took a psychology class, you probably got uh, previewed there. But you may not, if you're listening, you may not have done any necessary deep diving or digging into what your attachment style is. So today's episode is about that. It's, yes. a, it's about being able to get greater understanding because everybody does have a attachment style. That, yeah, exactly, because really... Nothing happens to us outside of the context of a relationship. Life is about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are created for connection. Definitely. Um, whether you like it or not, the yep. reality is your destiny is connection. How those connections form will very much be related to your attachment style. So I have a pop quiz for you, Dr. Rob. <laughs> How fun. <laughs> you can go online, our listeners can go online and find any number of different quick uh, quizzes to see what your attachment style is. Obviously, we would never advocate that you would go on those results alone, um, but that you might seek um, assistance or help maybe by a professional. Um, I am a professional, Dr. Rob, so I'm, administ- <laughs> no, you are. I'm, I'm administering this quiz. So we're going to buzz through this fairly quickly, we want to find out which of the four attachment styles you you have, all right? All right. All right. Um, are you in a relationship right now? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, what is your relationship status? Married. You're married. Okay. The options are like short-term, less than a year, long-term, and then married. So you're okay. married. All right. Uh, can, I can be very emotionally present with others, like friends, family, partners, strangers, but it takes me a little while to build trust and to share my vulnerability about myself. True, it, true or false? True. Okay. You know, I think of that and I'm like, that's that's a good thing to be true. Yes. Right? Uh, number five, I often put other people in my life on a big pedestal, like partners, friends, family. True or false? False. Number six, I feel naturally comfortable and safe expressing my feelings and needs to loved ones. True or false? True. There was a small hesitation, which I appreciate. You thought twice. I did. About that. Good. Because I tend, I'm like an attachment, you can be a blending, right? Absolutely. Good, good point. Like, and, like you're not nailed down to just that's one. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. As I took this quiz, I feel naturally comfortable and safe expressing my feelings. Well, not all the time. Right. Right. 
I there is some hesitancy. I actually said false on this one. Yeah, because that's what I was struggling with because it's like, and I'm trying just to do what they generally want, just the first impression because mm-hmm. I, I, I will be conservative too. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, number seven. I feel very upset when others infringe on my need for space and time to be alone. True or false? Uh, I would say false. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eight, I am willing to work through challenges in a relationship before suddenly trying to leave the relationship itself. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. All right. Number nine, I tend to be out of touch with my emotions quite frequently. False. Mm-hmm. Number 10, I am very attuned to others' need and often put them before my own and re- resent it later. Oh, false. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the qualifier there was the end. And yeah. Then, and then resent it. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. Because you're very much about putting others ahead of yourself. That's what I've experienced. Yeah, I don't, yeah, but I don't resent it. But I would have to be like a like a mouse in the corner listening to your resentment. <laughs> like, I can't believe that I like put Matt's needs first, Sandy. Why do I keep doing that? Number 11, I constantly want to be emotionally closer to my partner. This can also apply to my close friends and romantic interests. Uh, true. True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a little tricky one. It is. It, I constantly want to be emotionally closer to my partner. This can also be applied to be true in my friendships or my romantic interests. Yeah, it, it, to your point, it's like it is more true than false, but it's not like I need to be defined by them. Exactly. We're 29% done. Hold on. 12, I am effective at compromising and communicating. True. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very difficult for me to set boundaries unless I'm angry. I well, sometimes, I can sometimes set excessive boundaries and push people away too dramatically out of anger. False. I love that dramatically. You are kind <laughs> of a drama queen <laughs> yeah. at times. No. <laughs> 14. If I notice my partner showing any signs of coldness, I panic and want to get closer as quickly as possible. This often happens to me in friendships as, as well. False. Mm-hmm. 15, it is not uncommon for me to experience inward emotional turbulence throughout the duration of my, my romantic relationship. This applies to close family members as well. False. I often feel very hot or very cold toward my partner or family members. I tend to operate in extremes in how I relate to others. False. I know that I am worthy of healthy and happy relationship. True. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Yeah, I, I know that I am worthy of healthy and happy relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do I? Um, why do you want to learn about attachment theory? Like, do you want to learn to better yourself or to understand your partner better, or what would be the purpose? I would say all of the above. Okay. Better understand me and them, mm-hmm. her. When I feel hurt by a loved one, I often have a strong fight or flight response. I find myself wanting to push this person as far away as possible. False. I do not feel as though I need anything from my romantic partner or loved ones. It can be difficult to conceptualize how others would meet a lot of my needs. False. I love, I wish you could see Dr. Rob's face I'm trying to on that sure. one. That was a squishy face. Yeah, and I'm trying to make sure I understand the question. I probably should have had you reread well, it. Well, it's kind of a double superlative. 
Okay. I don't know if that's true. It just sounds fancy. Yeah. But yeah, I do not feel as though I need anything from my romantic partner or loved one. It can be difficult to conceptualize how others would meet a lot of my need. Yeah. I think false is the right answer. For I me. think so. I think, but I thought it was a good question. It's a great question. It really makes you think. I do not enjoy being out of a romantic relationship. I often fear being alone. False. Oh, dude, that's true. If Sandy wasn't in your life, you would be hurting. If Sandy wasn't in my life, I, yeah, I would be hurting and no. I wouldn't be where I am. I'm just kidding. I'm I just don't. kidding. All right. If a loved one's behavior hurts me, I will express my feelings and try to understand what caused them to act that way. True. Yeah. I hunger for closeness, but I fear the emotional difficulty at the same time. False. I do not like making social plans with others in advance. I often feel trapped by commitments with other people. False. I find that setting boundaries comes naturally to me. True. I focus much more on the relationships in my life than I do on myself. True. Ooh, that's a good question. It is a good question. And I did have to think about it for a minute. It's like, okay, I, but I tend to focus heavily on relationship. Yeah. Are you a people pleaser? I can be. Yeah. You know, I work at not being because the goal for me is always maturity and health. Yeah. But you can't say you're flawed. I, for me personally, I don't like it when people say, oh, I'm flawed, but can't then specifically identify how they're flawed. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to say. It's like you're not trying to be perfect. No. You're trying to be authentic and genuine. Right. So, just pausing the quiz for a moment, the reality is realizing what is true is healthier than trying to be right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like self-acceptance, even when you aren't what you think you should be. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is not a race of perfection. This is a race of understanding who you are and accepting who you are and then deciding for yourself, what would you like to do? Yeah, that's taking control and responsibility for your life. Uh, next question. I often feel protective over my space, privacy, and belongings. False. I generally feel invaded when my partner or loved one demands too much physical affection. False. I would prefer to spend most of my free time with my partner if I were to be in a romantic relationship. It would be hard for me to want to do things separately. False. That's another good question. That is a good... I was thinking about it as you're doing it because I like hiking. So yeah. some of the things I like are individual, yeah, right, or alone out in the woods for a hike. So it's not all this or all that. It's yeah. This uh, my wife and I, Deanne, we love taking Odin for a walk at KCC. And the other day, the other morning, I was going on the normal walk, and she she said, "Hey, um, I want to go." And I just politely and I turned toward her. It was a it was a positive bid, but I said, um, "I'm I'm really needing some alone time. Yep, um, just to pray and just to contemplate." of some things, not that I don't want you to be with me. I do love you, but I think I need some individual space. And she fully supported that 110%. Yeah. It's a, it's the I, we, I knew that I needed that space. Yeah. Next question. I feel that it is easy to be vulnerable with my romantic partner and loved ones. True. I find my partner or loved one usually is emotionally able to recover from conflict before I do. Uh, I don't uh, I would say that's false. I would I would guess that would be false for you too. Yeah. 
And then I deeply fear being abandoned by my partner or loved interest. <laughs> False. Yeah. How much do you know about attachment theory? Because that's important for this. <laughs> I know a little bit about attachment theory. Very good. Okay, so there are your, um, there's your, your quiz. And I'm getting the results as we speak. And the, the good news is um, you are a secure attachment style. Oh, perfect. Um, that is actually not a surprise for me. Right? <laughs> I'm shocked. You're, you're shocked. But I think, I think as we went through that, it was, it was. Wait a minute. The only thing I want to notice, did I get an A? You definitely got an A. You not only passed the test, but you are an astute student for, for sure. Um, so as we think about these questions and as we think about attachment theory, um, you walked through those questions. Those are not typically questions that we ask ourselves. No, no. And it's, I'm, I'm, I have mixed emotions about these kind of assessments, but to your point, they are, if you take them like you and I are doing and you think about it and you have a trusted person that you can talk to about it, they can, they can be really productive. Yes. Absolutely. Um, it's important for us to realize that when we come back to this conversation, that attachment is part of who we are. And it's not something to be feared. It's something to be you know, sought after and to be understood. Now, the research would suggest that in regard to men and women, that, that or would you, what would you guess, men versus women in terms of which are the predominant styles of attachment? Oh, you mean for, for women? For women versus men. Oh, I think men would be more avoidant um, as a rule or disorganized. Women, I think, would oscillate between secure and anxious. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, in a, in a 2018 study, women scored higher um, on anxiety and men higher on avoidant. So very good. However, those gender differences are small and have no real direct impact on a person's attachment style. I happen to know that. <laughs> yes. How does attachment develop in one's life? Uh, um, I, the first thing I would say, and, you, and it's kind of implied in the literature, though, uh, uh, first, the attachment style is generally developed in the first 12 months of life then it's a matter of an ongoing. So I look at attachment as an evolutionary process. The foundation of it is in the first 12 months of life. That's what the research seems to indicate. And then from that point forward, um, it's an evolutionary process where you're making deposits into the attachment style or others are for you. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense to me because generally speaking, and you know this, Matt, with your work with marriage and family, that first 12 months seems to be a good indicator of what's going to happen throughout your childhood, mm -hmm. unless there's a radical intervention or catastrophic change of some kind. And if that changes on, you know, a, a child experiences the death or a sickness of a parent, that's going to affect, that's, that's going to major, that's going to have a major impact on their attachment style. Right. So in answer to your question, 
the first 12 months and then it's with you for the rest of your life. So again, trying to keep this conversation less technical and maybe more practical. Um, when I think about the origin of human development in, in regard to my relationship to a primary caregiver, um, obviously a child is going to want to feel a sense of safety and comfort in connecting with that primary caregiver and the, the people around them. And so um, understanding what kind of consistent emotional and physical support that you had as a child is a good indicator of what your attachment style would be founded on. Definitely. And if you're talking about practical, um, that style not only affects uh, closeness and emotional intimacy uh, in romantic relationships and, and family, but it influences how we communicate needs. It influences how we understand emotions or the lack thereof. Um, it influences our, our conflict or how we manage our conflict, our conflict style, if you will. Um, so from a practical standpoint, whether we recognize it or not, the attachment styles influence a lot of things. And I, I frequently use this metaphor because I think it's just a good metaphor. It's like our skin. It is always a part of who we are. It's the largest organ in the body. And unless you have like... Um, you know, sensitive skin issues, you generally pretty much ignore it. Yeah. Right? Right. But it's it's not going to work well without it. Yep. So when we talk about the different secure, avoidant, anxious, disorganized, I like to think in terms of, yeah, the preferred, the preferred attachment style in relationship, whether it was something of an origin or whether it was something that you've grown into, is that the ability to feel secure and safe in a relationship has a lot to do with your own self-concept or self-worth. Yeah. The statement in the quiz that said, I feel worthy of a relationship. Yes. That sounds like it could be arrogance. Yeah. But the reality, it's a good indicator of good self-concept or the way you see yourself. Well, there's a difference between arrogance and self-worth. I, I, like a diamond. I, okay, let's let's keep it practical. It's like my relationship with you and the important people in my life is important to me. I treat it accordingly. Mm -hmm. I treat it of something that has value. The arrogance piece is I'm using you to meet a need. Right. You know, and, and we've talked about this on the podcast. For me, there's a, a sequence. If you want attachment or intimacy, you have to you have to develop maturity. And then the prerequisite to maturity is going to be a, a, a def, defragmented identity. Mm -hmm. Right. So that 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 provides a platform for you and I, for Sandy and I, for my kids and I to have a secure attachment. In the non-secure attachment, the common denominator is it's a shaky foundation. There's nothing solid to anchor the relationship to. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. As we, as we establish for the secure attachment style, 
here are some signs. Now, whether you find that you have a secure attachment, and I'm, I think I'm maturing enough where I don't have to be secure. Yeah. I desire to have secure and a healthy attachment style, but I'm okay if I find areas in my life that that's not true. Right. So if you're listening and you've heard some of the comments that we've made or you've taken a quiz and maybe you're not altogether safe and secure in your attachment style, these are some of the signs that I think you want to see as, um, as guideposts for this journey. Like you said earlier, the ability to regulate emotions is important. Yes. Um, the ability to trust others. Now, this is important because there are people that I don't trust. There's people you shouldn't trust. But that doesn't mean that I don't love them. Right. So just because I don't trust them doesn't mean I disregard them or demonize them. Exactly. You want to be careful if your distrust also comes with a lot of energy. Yeah. That is demonizing the person that you don't trust. Yes. Is that okay? That to me is. Also, another sign of a safe and secure attachment is the ability to have effective communication. And this is where assertive communication comes in, where out of that healthy self-worth and identity, you can communicate your point of view without demeaning the other person. Exactly. And if they're secure, that's where healthy, mindful conversations exist. Yes. This, yeah. is, this is what I do with marriage coaching. Yeah. In that the whole purpose of active listening or assertive communication is to listen to understand the person while holding on to your differentiated self yeah, and realizing you have a different way of looking at it. And I watch couples all the time where the light bulb goes off over their head and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I can hold on to my point of view, but also listen to you and understand you and validate you. And we soften toward each other and that creates safety. And that's what you mean by differentiation. Differentiation just simply means I'm different than you. Yeah, okay. I might have different values. I might have different beliefs. I might like tacos. You like Italian. I'm different. Yeah. And all I want is to be appreciated for the differences in my life versus you. And we can we can coexist together respectfully. Exactly. Um, the idea of seeking emotional support is also another guidepost that I know that I want to have support from you. I have a need. I'm able to open myself up to you, make a bid to ask for that support yeah. and, and feel confident, not shy or anxious. Yeah. Because there are things in life where you need help carrying yes. them. Yeah. There's yeah. Okay. This signpost is really important. And this is probably what I had to grow in the most in the early development of a secure attachment style. It was my desire to be comfortable being alone. Okay. I was very anxious being alone. Yes. And this was true in 2016 when I was with my friends in Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs where we started the day um, in a beautiful canyon-like, picturesque, colorful place for sunrise. So when the sun rose and the sun hit the clay yep, and all the reds and the oranges yep. and just the beauty of that space— and we were in our contemplative prayer space aside from one another in our own space. But I was super anxious, super uncomfortable being in a in an unusual place. Couldn't see the beauty. Right. I, I was more preoccupied with my anxiousness 
And when our when my friends and I got back together, I was really happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that whole concept of like you said, I can't be alone. Well, and then I grew over time. I grew to really appreciate contemplative prayer and yeah. be, being alone. Now, that's not the type of alone that says I want to get away from people. Right. It's I want to be present with myself and to listen, to allow myself to understand my feelings or my thoughts. It's not escape. No. It is something that is beneficial for my humanness. Sometimes I think of it as removing distraction mm-hmm. right i'm alone to remove distraction here's another signpost the ability to be self-reflective in my partnerships like to be able to be with you and to be able and i do appreciate your vulnerability allowing me to give the quiz <laughs> on the podcast but my ability to be able to be self-reflective in your presence where I know that you're not going to counsel me or advise me or correct me you're just going to bear witness to me yeah. Yeah. And I would expect that cause you're a counselor, but that's coming from who you are as a person. I like to think so. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's reciprocal. Yep. Um, last couple points on secure attachment. You're going to be able to have the ability to manage conflict in a constructive way. You're not going to be shy about conflict. I don't need to win the argument. I don't have to make my point until I feel like you understand me. I'm okay with you being different than me and we can manage those differences because that's what conflict is. Yes. And then finally, I have high self-esteem. That references back to self-concept, self-worth, is I have an esteem for myself, not arrogance. No. But I do believe in myself and that's important to me because God believes in me. If he believes in me, I want to believe in me too. Yeah. Arrogance generally takes the position of some version of I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. (laughs) Where high self-regard is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm important to me and I'm important to you. Mm -hmm. And that value that we place on the relationship and the integrity of the self, the I versus the we, um, like you said, it's differentiated. It, it has a really different, flavor yeah i think of self-arrogance as a flavor it's like rotten food you taste something <laughs> and it makes you really sick oh we don't want to go there i had <laughs> i had food poisoning when i was down in florida it's amazing what the body does when it gets a foreign pathogen right in the body let's move to avoidant attachment styles okay so really if, if you if you summarize this really on one side you have you have um secure attachment and on the other side you have insecure attachment yeah so just as we as we talk about these these next three they fall on the side of insecure attachment yeah so the 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 next one on insecure attachment is going to be avoidant and in 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 some in simple terms it's just i would want to be in a relationship with somebody but i find myself avoiding intimacy or vulnerability or connection Yeah, it's a great term for it. It's not only you're avoiding, let's say, the connection, but you're avoiding conflict, which can facilitate intimacy. So you avoid conflict. Okay, right there. Conflict is a gateway to intimacy. If it's managed, if it's healthy conflict, definitely. Um, But in avoidant 
attachment, you're doing just what the word says. You're avoiding all of that. And it gets messy. And it, yes. And it can get messy quick. Yeah. You prefer. Yes. And if you're in this, it's likely that that's something that's been cycling in some or most of your relationships. And it really feels bad when you can't get some sense of resolution to conflict because you keep spiraling in the same cycle. Yeah. I think of that as more on the disorganized side of it, but to your point, it's like with avoidant, um, they are distant. We, I don't, I don't require you. Now you're designed, we're designed to connect. You made that point earlier. We're designed to connect, Yeah. but I don't. So this would be like a moving target. Like y- y- yes. the, the moment I think that I can connect with you, the target moves. Or it'd be like Sasquatch. We know it's out there. We know it's out there. Bigfoot is, oh yeah, he's got a picture of one on his iPad. On my iPad cover. I'm a believer. <laughs> Dogman yeah. in Michigan and Sasquatch. I'm a believer. And so it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to find because it doesn't want to be seen. So the origin of the development of a... Um, of an avoidance style could be because your primary caregiver in childhood might have left you in some way to fend for yourself. Totally. Um, There was more of an expectation that you would be independent. So maybe your caregiver, your mom, your dad, grandmother, whoever that was, might've been just distracted, (laughs) might've been just absent because of work or because of other issues. But the result would be, there was a an absence of that caregiver and you were left to kind of fend for yourself. I like that. I had to take care of myself so I can't trust you to do it. Yep. Um, and then maybe even worse, if there was kind of a reinforcement being reprimanded for needing to be dependent, like a desire to have connection with my caregiver and then being reprimanded for that. Oh, that's, and that's what you, that's why people think they can spoil kids. I don't think personally you can spoil a kid under one year of age because when they are communicating need and you meet that need, yeah, you're teaching them that you can depend on other people for help. Yeah. And then being rejected when you do express your right. own needs yep. or emotions, which is supposed to be natural. But again, there's that reprimand. Um, so some of the signs that might help a person realize there might be a little bit of, a, of an avoidant style of attachment, um, that you might persistently avoid any emotional or physical intimacy. Yeah, you prefer to be alone. Right? Yeah. But not the kind of alone that I talked about. No, no. As the result of my work, the kind of the, I was more anxious in my attachment style when yes. I was in that place in Colorado Springs. Yeah. I can recognize now I was more anxious. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a moment to come back to my friends. Yeah. Versus avoiding would be, well, I don't like being alone, but I also really, I want to be with my friends, but I'm not really going to open up. No. And you wouldn't necessarily be quick. Like you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been glad to get thrown back together with your friends. Right. You'd be okay sitting on the mountaintop watching the sun from now until whenever. Yep. Uh, another signpost would be you would have a strong sense of independence now as an adult. Like, yes. Like, it's good to, to be independent, to be autonomous. I love the word autonomous. But to have a spirit of independence, like, man, you're always so distant. I can never connect with you. I like autonomous, but I, I also like intradependence. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not independence. It's intradependence. You you have again the balance or the distinction of the I versus the we. Yeah. As well as being kind of independent, you're also uncomfortable expressing your feelings, and you're kind of dismissive of other people. And ultimately, you have a hard time really trusting people. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. That's. Are you saying I don't know what I'm talking about? Are you saying... <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you're saying I don't know what I'm talking about, buddy? We're going to take this outside. <laughs> yeah, the next one is I feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to me. You better stay... I mean, Rob and I are a mere like four inches away from each other. So my right arm could hit his jaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. And then believing, you know, believe that I don't need others in my life. Boy, that's a core belief. Oh, it is. Uh, uh, believing that I don't need anybody. Exactly. Which is, which is, it, it doesn't fit life. We do need people to to, to love on, to value us, to affirm, to fight with, to, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, if we go on to the anxious attachment style, because we just did this avoidant, right? Yep. Now anxious. Um, this style, as you kind of summarized when we started, there's going to be more of a fear of rejection yes. or abandonment You're, uh, with this type of attachment. Like, I... I, I don't want to lose you. Right. Like, I need you. Right. This is where codependency starts to set in. I think you're right there. Yeah, huh. because this is this is a fear of... The anxiousness is a byproduct of you're going to leave me. Right. And I can't be alone. Right. And so it's always anxious. Yeah. So some of the signs for anxiousness... Um, clingy tendencies. Yep. So this is where now remember, like, like togetherness is healthy. Like I desire to be with you, but where it becomes maybe unhealthy is as a person, I find my partner like Odin is definitely anxious. Yeah. He's like always around me. He always has to put his paw or his face on me. No matter where I go, he wants to be, which is kind of sweet and comforting. At the same time, it can be a little bit annoying. He's clingy. I think my dog is codependent. <laughs> He's got an anxious attachment style. It lacks personal boundaries. It's enmeshment. Yes. Right? It's, it's I can't separate you from me. And I get a lot of worth and definition from you. Right. Right. Yep. So you're going to be highly sensitive to criticism, whether it's real or imagined. Yep. Um, I'm glad you said You that. need approval from other people. Highly sensitive. You're yeah. definitely going to have some jealous tendencies. Yeah. Certainly you're going to have difficulty being alone. Well, I'm demanding you to pay attention to me. Yeah. And this is the basis of low self-esteem, whereas in the safe and secure attachment style, we had a sense of, of esteem and confidence in myself here with the anxious attachment style, there's going to be a low self-esteem running in the background. Yeah. It's, it's not a sense of worth and secure. You have a sense of worth and you take it, you take care of what you value. Yeah. Narcissists tend to have a, a deep, deep uh, foundation of insecurity and a fear of rejection. That's why they power up so great. Is it possible 
they would have as the basis of their attachment style a, a hidden anxious attachment style? You, you could. Yeah, you could. That's one of the theories for narcissism. Um, they definitely, they definitely want to be the center of attention. Right, right. And I think the idea of um, the, the significant fear of abandonment yeah. is that you're going to try to control your relationships because you fear losing them. Right. And if you think about the idea that what you try to control, you lose. Yes. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. And as you're listening to this, if you're like, oh my God, that's me. Hey, good news is that there's awareness. Yep. And remember, you didn't do this to yourself. Yeah, change starts with awareness. And you're not responsible for what happened to you in childhood. You are responsible for how you manage it as an adult. Right, yeah. You couldn't escape what happened. No. But, but you can, because of the plasticity of attachment, you can grow more mature Yep. and grow into a healthy version of you. Yeah, healthier. Healthier version. That yeah. was me. And, and become something that you really admire and that people want to be around. Right. Last one is the disorganized attachment style. Yeah. This, when I think of this, your word that you used a little bit earlier on is the one that I think of with disorganized, and that's messy. Yeah, this is where the foundation is typically some form of childhood trauma. Yeah, and everything is... Or neglect or abuse. Yep. Not that that's not traumatic, but yep. this category, and it's unfortunate, it's sad. And, um, yes. and the reality is the neglect, the abuse, um, no child ever deserves any form of mental, psychological, emotional, verbal, physical abuse. Yeah, no human. It's like the child is vulnerable and God created it so that we need him and each other. And when this innocence, this vulnerability of childhood is assaulted, raped, maimed, destroyed, it really teaches an individual that relationships are dangerous and then that creates a tension. This, if you think of it as a push-pull, it's like, I need to be connected, but they're really dangerous to be connected. Right. Or it's really dangerous to be connected. Absolutely. So then you have this aggressiveness that you see in this particular um, attachment style. Yeah, some of the signs are going to share some of the similarities that you find in anxious, but the, the fear of rejection. Yep. Because uh, the origin of your development was founded in the trauma. And so you were rejected back then. So that's normal that you would feel that sense of rejection. Um, certainly an inability to regulate emotions. So emotional dysregulation would be expected and normal for this individual. Yes. And you're not to blame for that. But when we do work with people who realize that they don't have a groundedness, because remember, um, next episode, we're going to be talking about emotions and decision-making. Oh, cool. Um, this is where we have a difficult time understanding the, the thinking, the feeling, and the acting, the TFA model that yeah. we talked about before. The reality is our thoughts and our emotions 
co-conspire to be able to drive patterns of behavior, I need to measure the behavior to get a good track on what I'm thinking and feeling. Yeah, it's disorganized. The thinking, the feeling, and acting don't, they're not synchronized. It's a messy room. It is a messy room. Yeah. So contradictory behaviors are going to be part of this. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. High levels of anxiety. Yeah. Certainly difficulty trusting people. Totally. Yeah. And so there can be a blending of avoidant and anxious attachment styles with this individual. So it's important as we walk through this, especially with these, you know, the anxious, the um, avoidant, the disorganized, when you do a test or something, find somebody who is competent to help you interpret those results and begin the journey. If you haven't already started, what, what do I want for myself? Like I deserve to be healthy. Yeah. It's, it's required to be healthy. If the key, contrary to popular opinion, as it appears in the United States, we say directly and indirectly, the key to happiness is material possession. Yes. The key to happiness is healthy relationships. Yes. And having purpose and health in your life. If you focus on that, if I focus on health and purpose, the happiness will come. Bingo. And it's it's the journey of being a human. Yes. And um, let's take that journey together. So as we bring this conversation to a close, about 45 minutes went by far <laughs> faster than I thought. But as we come to a close, any closing thoughts, Dr. Rob? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, my closing thought would be this. Keep pursuing growth. Keep pursuing maturity, emotional health, emotional health, and r- wrestle with this issue of attachment. Yeah, my, my final thought would be you are worth it. I am worth it. You're worth it to be able to grow healthy connections with the people that we love and to be able to live a life that is able to manage the threats and the challenges in a way that ultimately bring more prosperity to me emotionally. Yeah mentally and relationally yeah thanks for joining us on today's Thank episode you. of mindful conversations with matt and rob we hope that you have a blessed day wherever that may lead you